Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 On and Off the Track with Kim Illman. You can see his photos at ProStarPicks.com, read his latest F1 blog at KimIllman.com or follow him on Instagram at Kim Illman. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're asking Kim a number of questions that you, the F1 fans, the Kim followers have asked. You excited for this, Kim? I am. I've had a look through them and there's been a tremendous variety mm. from all over the world and I think we should get straight into it. Yes, we had an overwhelming response, so we've tried to get as many as we can. And, and thankfully, uh, a number of people asked the same question, so uh, they perhaps might not get their name mentioned, but they'll get their question answered. Well, that's what we'll start here first with. We'll go with the most popular questions. Yes, and that is, what is a popular question? Uh, one that was asked by many is, who's the nicest driver in the current grid? I- I'd say Daniel. Because he's friendly and I know him better, but Mm. that's not to say that any of the others are any less friendly if you know them, I think. So I'm going to go with uh, Daniel Ricciardo, Perth, Australia. How does one become a photographer of F1? I think the guys and the few women that are in the sport have gone different routes to get into F1. Mm. Uh, I came late to it and uh, was lucky in my endeavour to get in. Others have spent decades honing their craft at lower levels and then they they become friendly with other photographers who have a link with perhaps someone in F1 and they get introduced to it there. I, I think if anyone asks me how do they get into it, uh, look, if, if you've got an audience that you can bring to Formula One, I'm sure they'd be happy to look at that. Uh, if, if you've got connections with people, I know that's been a, a very powerful way to get in. But I just don't think there is a way that if you do A, B and C, that this will be the result. It's, okay. uh, it's many and varied. And so how did you get into F1 photography? Well, I, uh, I went to the 2016 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, last race of the year, and I went uh, as a paying patron of Red Bull and I got into the paddock. And I remember standing in the garage with the headphones on listening to Daniel Ricciardo talk to his engineer and it was very calm and it was just a lovely experience and it was at that moment I thought, yeah, I'd like to do this. And, I, and I'd already produced a, a wildlife book called Africa on Safari and that had been picked up by National Geographic and it was published in, uh, uh, in England by a, a niche publisher, Papadakis. So I'd had some um, good background in, in that particular style of photography and I just presented a, an interesting case to the powers that be and maybe I got the right person, maybe it was just luck, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I got accredited for testing. Then I got accredited for one race, Melbourne. Then I applied for another race, which was the next race. And I just kept applying for races and uh, ended up getting myself a a marvellous opportunity to shoot with Sutton Images, one of the the great F1 houses of uh, all time. And that was my first year. And the second year, because I'd done 14 races the year prior, I got a permanent uh, pass and I did 14 races last year, so I get it this year. And hence, here we go. This is what's happening. So it's been about three years of photo taking, two and a half? Two and a half-ish, yep. What's your favourite photo you've taken so far? Well, probably up until the German race, I would have said my photo of Max Verstappen sparking on turn six at the very first race I ever shot. And I will admit, I was pretty green. I was taking shots that I thought were great and other people laughed at, but uh, <laughs> that's look, every photographer starts that way. Uh, it, was, it was a beautiful shot of him sparking, but then in the German event, I took this photo of Daniel Ricciardo, and I think we might have talked about this before. He's coming onto the grid, so he's driving his car around the last corner. I'm standing on the track. It's wet, and I get this shot of him with the water spraying off his tyres and a car behind him, and it looks 
it look, just looks surreal and nobody can quite work out how the hell you took the photo. It, it looks like you're standing on the track. And yes, I was standing on the track. And, but it looks like the cars are racing. No, they weren't racing. Um, so I would say it would be a toss-up between those two as my favourites. And another favourite question, who's your favourite team and driver of all time? I, I quite like Ferrari for the colour of their car. <laughs> and and then, I, then I would probably go for Red Bull because uh, – I have have a good relationship with Red Bull and I also have a good relationship with Ferrari. Uh, Favourite driver? I'd probably go back to Daniel because I know him a bit better than anyone else. Of all time, look, I'm not a huge motorsport fan, so I I, I couldn't say it's Prost or Senna because I never really followed it back then. I've really only had uh, this marvellous – well, it's not an interest. It's almost – I've – totally immersed myself Mm. in the sport. So it's really only over the last couple of two and a half years. So, yeah, I'm going to say Daniel. And what has been your favourite race of the season so far? Of this season? Germany, Mm -hmm. because of all the goings on in the race. Yes. Uh, Normally they're pretty placid sort of affairs with drivers just in a procession around the track. But, of course, that was a mighty race. Mm. But in terms of tracks, I do like photographing Monaco. I think it has some marvellous opportunities and I feel comfortable there. I know shots now. And I can be guaranteed of getting something memorable. And I also like the fact that it's quite handy. You don't have to walk miles. You can get from one end of the track and the, to the other in um, probably 15 minutes, 12 if you really put your foot down. Mm-hmm. We'll move on to questions that have asked by individuals. So try and credit you where possible, but uh, forgive me for the pronunciations of names. Some of them are tricky. Yes. The first one here is from Maria, 1672005. Oh, he's a good one. Is photography something you've always wanted to do? I've always had a camera, always loved photography, but it really wasn't until I moved to Lancelin going back uh, 10 years ago, nine years ago now and built this house on the beach that I started really getting into it because I had nothing to do on the weekend. So I'd go out and shoot what's happening in Lancelin. And it's a beautiful looking town. It's got sand dunes and beautiful beach Mm. and a bay. So that's when I got into photography. And then I really got into it when I decided to do the wildlife book. I just thought, right, I'm going to put my foot down here. We're going to spend 26 weeks in Africa over two and a half years and uh, produce that book. And now I've turned my attention to F1. Two Shoes 81 asks, what was your pre-F1 career like? How did you manage to have such access in such a short amount of time? Um, just applied for accreditation. And that's the thing. If you get accreditation, uh, you, you get the same access as everybody else, except in the first year, you can't go on the grid. That's a, that's a second year and subsequent year. But pretty much uh, if you're accredited and you've been there one race or 30 races, I also, also should say that you can't get on the pit wall during the race or in qualifying, and you can't get into the pits uh, during those yeah, you can get in the pits if you're lucky. If you get a, if you get the keep four or five, I think tabards for each session. But really, it's it's nearly the same access for someone who's done one race as someone who's done a whole lot, unless you're working for a team, in which case you can go in the team's garage. But if you go in that team's garage, no other team will probably let you in their <laughs> garage. Yeah. Soft Cillian asks, how hard was it to adapt to being an F1 photographer? What was the most challenging part? The challenge for me was not not shooting shots that had crap in the background. And it took me a long time and a lot of good photographers had to chip away at me and say, you can't have a crane in the background or a portaloo or a truck. So uh, I would tend to just, oh, I'll stand here and take some photos. But now if I do that, I'll take photos for a couple of minutes and I'll look at them and go, 
I'm wasting my time. What am I doing here? Go to the spot that you said you'd go to where you know you're going to get a good clean shot. And that, that's the thing. You want a clean shot, an interesting shot, unless you're looking perhaps at a race where you think there might be a crash, in which case you'd probably wear a bit of rubbish in the background. But my real challenge has been getting rid of the, the backgrounds, the shabby backgrounds. Josh Mackhall asks, during a GP, particularly race day, what time do you generally arrive at the track and when do you leave? If you take it Thursday through to Sunday, um, Thursday's... No, no cars on track. So typically if it's a, a daytime race, uh, I'm talking not Singapore here or Bahrain where they're in the night, uh, we would get there probably about 8 o'clock in the morning and we'd leave at about 8 that night. Come the Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I'll arrive three hours before, or Saturday and Sunday, three hours before the first session, probably leave two hours, three hours after the uh, cars are finished in the last session. And on race day, probably there six hours before the start, and leave three hours after. So really extend those hours on the race day. Yeah, because you've got to capture everything in the morning and uh, the drivers tend to get in a lot earlier on race day than they do on the practice days. Now we've had a question from Pierre Guillonnet du Perron. He asks, I know the French Grand Prix is your favourite, but why? Well, uh, let me tell you that Pierre Guillonnet du Perron used to be our media uh, guy at FIA and is a very lovely, funny French fella. And he actually now works for the French Grand Prix. So when <laughs> Pierre Guillonnet du Perron sends you that question, he's ambushing us. Yes. Look, it's not my favourite race, and he knows that. But it is a good race, and it certainly was a better race this year because they solved the traffic problems, mm. which was horrendous in, in the first year. But I do love the pit lane. They've got this lovely grassed area between the pit lane and the actual pit straight. And it's a bit like uh, Silverstone. So I like it for that. I also like it because we get to stay in the south of France on the French Riviera. And uh, I, I think it's it's a beautiful venue. And thankfully, they did sort that traffic out. But very clever of Pierre Guillonnet du Perron. He's a, he's a very funny man and he'll get a laugh out of this. F1 on and off the track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. Colin Spencer asks, is there a difference in the position of angles you can get from modern built tracks compared to classic ones? Nothing obvious. The classic tracks, I think you probably get less wire. Certainly, you look at Spa and there's, there's not much wire above the fence at all. When you go to somewhere like Melbourne or Baku, because there's street circuits, there's wire mesh fencing above every section of the track, and it's a real pain in the bum when you're shooting. So uh, I, I would say that, yes, there is some benefit in shooting some of the old tracks because uh, there's a bit more access above the fence, and also through the, the Armco. They tend to have Armco instead of those awful concrete barriers. William Tate 526 says... Have you ever almost died whilst taking F1 pictures? Nothing, nothing. I do remember another good friend of mine saying that he was photographing a motorcycle race once and a motorcycle came over the fence and knocked his cap off. Ooh. So he got away with, um, well, almost murder there because he walked out of it fine. But no, I've never had anything come anywhere near me. So uh, let's hope that stays that same, mm. same way. Christic NKL asks, which track is the toughest for photography and which do you like the most? Well, I like Monaco probably the most, but it's only by a small margin over whatever I think is second. But uh, the one I don't like, probably Melbourne and China. Melbourne because it's hard to find a great angle because there's so much wire above the fence line, although the last corner is quite beautiful and I really only discovered that this year during the race. And China, it's grey skies, hardly any spectators, 
uh, not a great track. I really struggle a bit uh, in China. Photo Fredden asked, have you ever shot a severe accident? When do you think it's time to stop shooting if something severe happens? Never, never something fatal uh, or terribly f- uh, severe. And when do I think it – look, I think because you're there to document stuff, you have to mm. keep shooting. You don't have to go and publish those photos anywhere, but I think you need to shoot. Um, and oftentimes we've got long lenses, so we're not in the way. So I, I don't think that's an issue. When there is a crash, do you just photo until it's gone? Or is there a point where you go, I need to get back to the race? Well, at some point you'll say, right, well, there's nothing more to see here. Mm. And if I go back to Germany, because that was probably where I saw the most action, I wasn't there to capture the cars going into the fence. I wasn't there either with Vettel last year, Mm. but I was close by, but I never got that actual shot. But more so it's the driver coming off and uh, walking back to the the motorbike or back to the paddock. They're great shots because there's such emotion-charged shots Mm. and you get their reaction. Sometimes they've got the helmets on or off. So, yeah, at some point it should be obvious to anyone, I guess, well, nothing more to see here. Carry on. Luke Batten, what is the funniest thing that has happened while photographing F1? Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I had a 600mm lens on. I was shooting Daniel in the garage and uh, I had this shot, quite a tight shot. I was about eight metres away from him and uh, he had a mechanic leaning in over him so I could see his eyes and I was focusing on his eyes and then the whole screen just about is taken up with his face and this guy's arm and then Daniel's hand pokes out with the finger, the middle finger, (laughs) giving me the bird uh, in a jestful, funny way and it filled most of the frame and it took me a second to work out, what? oh, that's his hand. Oh, right, I get it now. And that did make me laugh. Next, hope you have a nice today asks... How do you make money off being an F1 photographer? There's a number of ways. You can sell your images to uh, clients that use them, to teams perhaps. You can sell them editorially to newspapers and magazines. You can sell them to the end user for printing on um, walls. I've had one guy in Brazil has taken one of my prints and and blown it up huge and put it on his uh, garage wall, floor to ceiling. I'm running some dinners where I I share a lot of my F1 secrets with people. So there's there's a financial return in that. And there's also other options. Fuji X fan, what was the most difficult circumstance you've encountered whilst trying to nail the perfect shot? How did you overcome it? Uh, There's a lot of discomfort involved, um, in particular when you're trying to shoot low. And I do like to shoot low. It's something I've focused on for the last seven or eight races. Uh, it's, It's a better shot, but it's a lot a lot of discomfort involved, especially mm. when you're trying to shoot either under a fence or through the bottom row of an armco. Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable and your, your neck's in an awkward position and that that would be, for me, probably the most discomfort I have to go through. And there's also a lot of walking. <laughs> I, do, I do have a laugh that uh, in Japan there's what we call spider alley and the British in particular don't like spiders, whereas we come from Australia, we we see spiders and snakes in our house all the Mm. time. But these guys are petrified of going through this spider alley where I just walk through with a a monopod and just whack all the spider webs in the morning because first thing in the morning, it's everywhere. And if you walk through there and you're not ready, bang, you get this spider web in your face and a a big spider, never never going to kill you or anything, not like Australian spiders, but (laughs) yeah, that that stands out to me. Rizalact, who do you think is the most photogenic driver who is your favourite to photo? I think Charles is pretty good to uh, photograph in that respect. Nico's a good-looking bloke. Uh, Lewis has a real swagger and style. Very hard to find the man, but, Mm. um, yeah, I would say those three stand out to me. 
Rutger Holtrist asks, has there been a moment you didn't take a photo of a driver to respect their privacy or you knew they wouldn't like it being taken? In a roundabout way, yes. I remember Nico Hulkenberg had a bad qualifying session and I was at the back of the FIA garage and he came out and I took a number of shots of him and he was, um, you could see he was dark about the um, previous effort he'd put in qualifying. Then he went back inside and then he came back out again and I got lower and I took a few shots and he said, uh, Kim, that's enough, that's enough. I said, and I didn't even say anything. I just got up and walked away and smiled and gave him the thumbs up and realised that if, 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 if he's not that happy, mm-hmm. I should at least – because I, I, you need to have a good relationship with these guys if you want the favour. So it was in my best interest to just pack up and leave. And, in fact, I don't think I ever even used those shots that I took of him just before he wasn't happy. A third Ozrazul, have you ever gotten in trouble for drivers for taking their photo? No. Okay. It's a simple no. No, they're all pretty good about it. Moving on to some more technical, more – photographic-oriented questions. Hisham Ali says, are regular Nikon D bodies suitable for photo F1 photography? Yeah, I don't even know what a Nikon D body is. But I gather it's the equivalent of um, the Canon EOS series. Mm. Uh, And if that's the case, I would say they probably don't shoot at a fast enough frame rate for you to get a good selection of shots. And uh, I doubt whether they would have quite the tricks that, say, my equivalent in the Nikon I shoot with the Canon 1DX Mark II, and I'm not sure what the equivalent is Nikon, but uh, it'll be a big camera, and it would uh, shoot at a high 14 or 16 frames a second, and it would allow you to shoot big files rapidly and put them onto a car. That's the thing, because smaller cameras, you, you might be able to shoot at five or six frames a second, but once you've shot for two seconds, the, the buffering is going to kill you, and then you don't get the shot. He also asked, what are the best starter lenses for sports photography in F1? If you only had to have one, you'd probably go for a – or if you're Canon, I'd go for a 100 to 400. I think it's a stunning lens for pretty good value and you'd be uh, you'd be wrapped with that, I reckon. I don't take it to races because I tend to shoot prime lenses, but if I could only take one, I'd take that one. Tori Gracer asks, has anyone ever stolen your equipment? Oh, I got a mouse nicked at a race a couple of races ago, a mouse. And it was a bloody good mouse too. But no, I've never had anything of real value taken and, I'm, and I have very good friends who've had 600mm six, lenses and all their kit taken, tens of thousands of pounds worth of gear and it must be a gutting feeling when you realise that, hey, someone swiped this stuff. So uh, there are certain races where we have to be very careful and there are other races where you think you're fine but there was one recently and a good friend of mine had all of his kit knocked off from his locker in a, in a place that you wouldn't think you mm. would have that issue. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit sad when it happens. Bertina3 says, how much time do you spend on post-processing a photo on average? Okay, uh, if it's if it's a real great picture, I might spend five minutes at some point. It's never really uh, straight after the session. Straight after the session, I will spend tops a minute on a photo because I want to get them out quick. If it's something, look, I'm not great at Photoshop either, so if it's a really good photo that deserves a bit of work, I'll tend to give it to my guys back here in Australia. But otherwise, uh, I'm a bit time poor in that sense, so I'm not spending hours changing colours of skies or moving cars around. I think, well, what I shot, if that's what I saw, let's pretty much put it up like that. Mm. There'll be a bit of tweaking with uh, contrast and maybe bumping up the colours, but I've got a couple of filters I put on every shot, or one filter I put on every shot, which just sharpens up a few things, but it doesn't change that photo dramatically. And the other thing to remember too is that with places like Getty and uh, news organisations, they can't do any savage post-processing because um, they're a news organisation. They have uh, 
uh, a responsibility to their readers and um, clients that they have to present what they saw pretty much as is. They can't go and do a, a, any sort of removing of stuff mm. or adding of stuff. That, that's more for sort of art sort of stuff. The last question here, and is one of my favourites, I'm curious to hear your answer, from MRTNVR1, have you ever said, I hate my job? No. Oh, no, uh, yeah, okay. I had, I've had two days... I can't even remember the circumstances. I think one might have been in Monza when it just rained for the whole day. And uh, I just thought, what am I doing? I had hardly got any shots perhaps the day before and little had happened in that day and I thought, oh, I've had enough of this. <laughs> but I think the next day I was enthused again. So luckily uh, it's captured my attention and retained it. Well, those are your questions, listeners. We hope you enjoyed the responses and you got to learn something new about Kim and F1. You know, I do appreciate the fact that people have taken the time to put their comments down. Um, and I did read most of them as they came in. And I thought, oh, yeah, I've got most of them covered. The couple were a little bit tricky. But, mm. uh, yeah, I'm delighted that people are interested enough that they have a question and have the time to be able to put it to us. So I'm glad we could answer most of those questions, I think, that were asked. Well, we'll be back to normal scheduled episodes next week as we head into spa. That's right. And uh, a reminder that my Monza dinner, there's still two seats left for that. Uh, Austin is still available, as is Perth. And I've just announced that uh, I'll do one in Melbourne, start of next year, on Excellent. a Saturday night. Uh, now, that should be an absolute cracker. And I've got a restaurant in Puran, which is just a hop, skip and a jump from the track. It'll be at 8.30pm on the Saturday night of the race weekend. And there'll be a couple of hours of tales from the paddock and some great photo tips. I think it'll be a really popular event with those who love F1. And, of course, it'll all be in English for uh, those people that speak Australian English. Well, they'll be very much at home. Thank you very much, Kim. Cheers. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPics.com or KimIllman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at KimIllman. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 On and Off the Track was presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPix.com. Head there now.